0: 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the back of the New Testament. If you've been with us in our study of 2 Timothy, you know, of course, that Paul the Apostle has certainly been emphasizing in this letter to Timothy that, first of all, as we ended chapter 2, that there are vessels of dishonor who are going to come along and they're going to have corrupt minds in hearts and they will deceive and pollute others. That was a challenge that Timothy was facing in the church at Ephesus and in those churches in Proconsular Asia. And what these vessels of dishonor do is they will teach that which is false. They will bring foolish and ignorant disputes. They will come in opposition to those who are godly and, and then he would speak about in the great house there is vessels of honor that have been sanctified and are truly useful for the master and of course That is Paul's desire was for Timothy. And of course, he would say the same thing if he was here today for us to be vessels of honor, useful for the master. And so, Father, we do pray that as we continue in this epistle, that these words, the last words that we have of Paul the Apostle are very important to us. And Lord, they were written not only to Timothy, but for us today. And I do pray that as we read these words inspired by you, we hear a lot about how we should minister to our children, to culture, and we are being told how to. So may we take these things and, Lord, take them to heart, have them be worked out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul, of course, has been very carefully and very honestly warning Timothy about his day where those vessels of dishonor will come into the church They're going to cause problems, and we saw as we opened up chapter 3 last time that Paul, again, inspired by the Spirit of God, putting these words to parchment, would tell us that of the hearts and character and condition of men and women in the last days. He said that in the last days it will be perilous, that men will be lovers of themselves. And then he would describe 18 characteristics there that would lead to verse 4 at the end, also pleasures uh, of of the world. Uh, Those are the two bookends, lovers of self, lovers of the world, And then the characteristics, of conduct uh, of men in the last days that are listed there. And then in verse 5, that there are going to be those, Timothy, that will have a form of godliness but deny its power. They never come to the knowledge of the truth. always seem to be learning. And they will pass themselves on as being holy and being righteous and being religious and spiritual. But you need to be careful because they will enter into your house. They will try to make their way into your life. And appeal to your carnality. Appeal to your flesh. And if you are immature in the word. And you are immature in the Lord. If you are gullible. If you are one that pursues your lusts and wants. Then you will be. Held captive by them. They're like Janus and Jambries in, in the days of Moses. Those were two individuals named there. They're counterfeit. They are men of corrupt minds. And as Paul's been talking about, how the it will be in the last days, it will be dangerous times. That's what that word perilous means. There's going to be deception. There's going to be corruption. There are those who are disapproved workers concerning the faith. And Timothy, this is what they are like. And they love themselves. They love money. They boast and are full of pride. They are unthankful. They are unloving, uh, unholy. They are brutal. That is fierce without self-control. All those things that we read and talked about last time. And now, Timothy, this is what you are to be about. And we will learn what we are to be about in this generation uh, here at Calvary Chapel for all of us, for all believers. This is what you are to continue in so you don't get held captive and get deceived. So that you can have discernment in the days in which we are living in, which are indeed perilous times. Very dangerous times. Let's begin to look at that in verse 10 of Second Timothy chapter 3. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, in matter of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Verse 11, persecutions and afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus Will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So here is the apostle continuing to exhort and encourage his son in the faith, Timothy, that despite the difficult challenges that you face, Timothy, those vessels of dishonor inside the church that are deceiving and and coming in and corrupting minds, but also externally keep in mind that Paul is writing this time when the church is being persecuted heavily by Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero has declared war on the Christians and he's putting Christians to death. So he's dealing with that as well. And it is going to be persecution that you are going to face, Timothy. But Timothy, don't waver. Timothy, know that the last days are going to be perilous times. And, and secondly, there are going to be those that have a form of godliness but denying its power. Turn away. And now the third present imperative is you must continue in the things which you have learned and the things that you have been assured of. And it is an exhortation for you and for me as Paul puts these words to parchment. Timothy, you need to continue and abide in the things that you have learned and the things that you have been assured of from childhood, verse 15. We read in the beginning of this epistle... That Paul would write, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and mother Eunice and, and persuaded is in you also. It was a genuine faith. It wasn't a faith that speaks of an inherited faith. And what I mean by that, that some people think that they're a Christian because my parents are a Christian. They think they're a Christian because they grew up in the church or they went to Sunday school. Or perhaps there are people that we meet, they think they're Christians because they belong to a church. Their names are on the membership rolls. And we know that that doesn't make you a Christian. That coming to faith in Jesus Christ and repenting and asking them to be your Lord and Savior, forgive me my sins as we come in faith, that's when we're born again by the Spirit of God, recognizing our need to be forgiven, that he is the Savior of the world. And so as Paul is writing, he said, you have a genuine faith. Your grandmother and mother had a genuine faith. And it was the seedbed for planting the word in your heart from childhood. That has brought a genuine faith to you. As you committed your life to the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And we are reminded in this epistle. That these three generations that are mentioned here. Are believers. Lois and then Eunice and Timothy. And what a tremendous blessing. And in a time where. Where. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's perilous times, Timothy. You're seeing it around you. You see, it's true for us today. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, notice that he writes, will suffer persecution. He didn't say you might, or I hope that you don't, or it's a possibility. He says you will suffer persecution to one degree or another. And I think most of us have found that to be true. As we believe in the Gospels, we stand for the Lord as we're desiring to live for him. In a, in a society, in a, in a culture around us that's more antagonistic against Christianity and the Word of God and the Gospel message. We know that we have brothers and sisters in different parts of the world that they're being thrown in prison. They're being tortured. They're even being put to death. And we don't experience that persecution here in our nation to that degree, but we do experience some sort of persecution and difficulty. It may be from family members. We have families here that, that they're estranged from the rest of their family because they're Christians. It may be friends, it may be co-workers, they make fun of you at work, maybe the boss that likes to pick on you, it may be from school. And Paul Mentions to Timothy, not only will you suffer persecution, but know this, that evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. And Timothy, you must continue in the things that you have learned. We as Christians are on a different course than the rest of the world. And instead of going with the culture, and we like to use that word. It's kind of a, what they say, a buzzword in, in the pulpits today, culture. And there's a lot in, in, in church methods and growth and uh, seminars and all of that. How do you minister to the culture? How do you relate to the culture and all of this? Well, you and I, the truth is, are to be counterculture. And as we stand for who we believe in, And that is our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And what it is that we believe in, and that is the gospel. And as we believe in the truth of the word of God, we will, to some degree, take the heat. All who live godly in Christ Jesus and the instruction for you and I in this day with the antagonistic culture around this is this. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. In other words, you are convinced of those things. And then thirdly, from whom you have learned them. I, I think it's worth to stop and take note of that in verse 14. Because we know that Paul, two letters to Timothy, that it was at least three people his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, and Paul the Apostle. All three were a great influence in Timothy's life. So as we consider it, who has been a great influence to you in a spiritual way? Who has influenced you in your life towards the gospel, the truth of God's word? Has it been grandparents? Your parents? Has it been a relative, a... Uh, has it been a sibling? Uh, has it been a children's ministry teacher? And that's why I encourage you to pray about getting involved with the children. Because you're impacting lives. Their young hearts. Was it a youth pastor? Was it somebody else? Another pastor? People who were in your life that the brought, Lord brought that influence you towards the gospel And towards godliness, to live for the Lord, to to grow in the word of God, to to encourage you in your walk with Christ. This is what we need to do. Continue in the things that you have learned, Timothy, the word of God and been assured of them. Listen, this is very important. Don't zone out on me. I don't know what's going to happen this year. In the elections, I don't know what's going to happen to our liberties. I do not know how ungodly and evil our culture is going to get. If persecution towards Christians in our own nation is going to get worse as we get closer to the return of the Lord, the trend that we're going, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. I don't know what's going to happen with our nation. But I do know this, and I am assured of it with all of my heart, that we have a glorious future because we are a different kingdom and a holy nation. And we have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross, and we have a different destiny. And I know that we're not supposed to live like the people of the world because if we do, they have no hope. And if we are ashamed of the gospel, they have no hope. You must continue and be convinced of the things that you have learned. And remember who you have learned them from since childhood. Breath off in the Greek. It speaks of from an infant. We know from Acts chapter 16 where Timothy is first mentioned in Paul's second missionary journey. And we're told in chapter 16 that Timothy, he is the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. And we don't know exactly uh, when Lois and Eunice came to faith as Jewish believers, but it's very probable that it happened on Paul's first missionary journey as he came to Lystra with Barnabas. And, And they heard the gospel. And Timothy would hear the gospel and they would come to to the gospel, to believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, their Mashiach, Timothy, a teenager at that point. But from childhood, from the time that he was an infant, the time he was a, a, a child, a small child, they taught Timothy, his mother and grandmother, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, He had a father that was Greek, we were told, in Acts chapter 16. And so Timothy grew up in a home, in a place, where Greek influence was all around him. And his father had enough influence to forbid circumcision. There is no synagogue that we know of in Lystra. And so you have these two Jewish women in a pagan town, in a pagan area, where Zeus and Hermes and the Greek pantheons are the beliefs of the people. And the stories of Mount Olympus are told and Hercules are told and Alexander the Great, the great warrior. But these two godly women, from the time that Timothy was a young child, are whispering in his ear, and I just imagine that Timothy's mother Eunice and grandmother Lois is holding Timothy even as an infant, and they're whispering into his ear, the Lord God, the Lord God is one. Love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Lord God, the Lord God is one. The great Shema. And as he grows, Timothy is learning not just about Mount Olympus. He's learning about Mount Sinai. Not just about Hercules, but the strong man Samson. And not just about Alexander the Great, but the great king and warrior David. There was spiritual divergence in the home and in a culture where there were all different Greek philosophers and myths going on in gods and paganism and immorality of every sort. And there was a mom and a grandmother that took very serious communicating to their son and to their grandson the word, the scriptures. And when they came to faith in Jesus, this one who... At one time was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul the Apostle comes into Lystra. Comes into Derby, He comes into that area. And he says, let me tell you about the one that the Old Testament scriptures spoke of. The Messiah. He has come. Remember that Jesus said to the religious leaders. That you search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that speak of me. And he came and died on the cross for you. And for your sins. It's no longer the animal sacrifices. Jesus was the ultimate, perfect lamb of God who died for your sins once and for all. And he rose from the grave and he's alive and he is your salvation. He's your Mashiach. He's the one, the suffering Messiah of Isaiah 53. He's the one that Psalm 16 and 22 speaks of. And Lois and Eunuch come to faith in Christ as well as Timothy at that time. And Timothy's mother and grandmother were very serious about speaking the scriptures into his life all the way from the time that he was just a baby, an infant. And they took to heart what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that the commandments of the Lord, you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And here was this godly influence. And the one thing that they gave to Timothy in the ungodly world around them was this. They gave him the word of God. God. So, the question for us is how about us? Grandparents, mom and dads, whoever you are. What are you giving to others that are linked to you in your life? What are you giving your kids? We give them lots of things. Culture oftentimes dictates what it is that we give to them the pressure, the phones. We raised four kids and they're adults now, but I remember, you know, 10 years ago, even longer when, you know, phones and cell phones were a big thing and all of a sudden the smartphones came out and when do we get them one? Do we get them one when they're 12, 13, 15? Do we wait till they're 21? When do we get them one? Now you got kids walking around with smartphones and they're four years old, five years old. The iPads, the AirPods, Nothing wrong with AirPods. Nothing wrong with those things. I got AirPods for Christmas that Sue gave me, and she was wondering, I, I didn't know if you like them, but I got them for you. I'm walking around the house and around here, with them stuck in my ear all day long. I love them. They're handy. We give them lots of things. And we expend the energy, and we spend a lot of time with the activities, And all the support when it comes to the sports and dancing and music. Listen, nothing wrong with those things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things. My kids were involved in sports. I have a son that was honorable mention All-State linebacker in high school. I have very talented kids in music. or I have one of my kids that's going to graduate from UNC this semester in piano performance. I, I get that. Is what I'm saying. But have we prioritized giving them the word of God? And I don't think that any of us, and and I hope none of us, would think, well, that's your job, Pastor. That's why we bring them. I will do everything that I can to teach the word of God to you. And whoever is here listening, we will do everything that we can to teach your children the word of God at their level. We will teach your youth the word of God. We will do everything that we can and pray for them. And we will try our best to be a godly influence to them. Whoever they are. And I know that some kids that come, that we are the primary influence in their lives because maybe they're coming with friends or, or with a relative and they don't have that in the home. But for you that are here, you are to be the primary influence in their lives in this ungodly world. We are told that it is perilous times. We are told that evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse deceiving. As we know that there are going to be those that have a form of godliness, but denying his power, as we've learned. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're deceiving. They have corrupt minds, as we discuss. So our response to that is, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of from whom you have learned them. And verse 15, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Why does Paul say that? There's a lot of methods that the church is being told today how to reach our generation. And the focus is on the method. And one of the things that we see in the churches is storytelling. They tell lots of stories or a story in a certain way. I'm not saying that we can't tell a story, but there's no power in storytelling. There's power in the word of God. And there's power in the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for whoever believes. The word of God is alive, Hebrews chapter 4. And from the time that our children, grandchildren, or little speak the word of God into their hearts. And we need to take seriously that command that was given 3,500 years ago to Moses in that generation. And it is imperative for us in our generation and the next generation in these last days that we're in these two godly women that we have recorded in Paul's last words to the church mentions them as one who invested in young Timothy. The word that was planted in your heart, Timothy, that seed was then would be ignited in water as Paul came preaching the gospel in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul, of course, was a great godly influence to Timothy. Verse 10 But you have carefully followed my doctrine. It has been Paul, of course, that's been repeatedly telling Timothy in these two letters, follow no other doctrine. Hold on to the truth of God's word, to the truth of the gospel. You have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life. It's the only time that that phrase is used in the New Testament. It speaks of lifestyle. Timothy, you have followed my godly lifestyle. It didn't contradict, you know, what it is that he taught, to Timothy, He could see that it was real in Paul's life. So how about us, parents? Not that our kids see perfection. I, I know that, not by the least bit. But do they see godliness being worked out in your life? Or do they see worldliness? Carnality. You're self-absorbed. You tell them to do one thing and you need to do another. They know the difference. They can see it. You know my manner of life, Timothy. You, you know my purpose. Paul had real purpose in life. To be a minister of the gospel. He wanted to do God's will and to finish the work that God had given to him. And what about us? This is for me too. Do we want to do God's will or do we want to do our own will? Live for self. I don't think that any of us want to do that. Just live for ourselves. You know my faith, Timothy, my long-suffering, my love, perseverance, which means to stick it out when it gets tough, to continue on to endure. He spoke of that in chapter 2. That was a major theme. Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't get it tangled up in the affairs of this world. But you keep fighting the good fight. And Timothy, you must keep running the race because an athlete, he, he keeps the rules to win the prize. He's disciplined, he keeps going. And, and Timothy, you be like the hardworking farmer that is producing a crop, working so you can eat of the first of the crops that is produced, the harvest that comes in. Timothy, endure, keep going, keep living godly. You've seen my perseverance, you know my persecution. Acts chapter 15 in Lystra. Many of you, you know the text. That when Paul and Barnabas sent out on their first missionary journey, they came to to Lystra and and there was a man that couldn't walk and and Paul heals him and and all of a sudden the people were amazed and they said, it's Hermas and Zeus. They come from heaven. And they began to... want a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas and and Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes and they said, no, we're but mere men and and began to tell them about the true and the living God that created heaven and earth. But then later in the day, some of the Jews came and stirred the people up and, and they go from wanting to sacrifice Paul to stoning Paul. It tells us in Acts chapter 15 that they drug him out of the city and left him for dead. I think they drug him out of the city and threw him in the garbage heap. Timothy very likely saw all of that because Paul gives us indication he did. You know my persecution at Antioch, Timothy at Iconium at Lystra. And then in Acts chapter 16, as Paul comes back in his second missionary journey, Timothy joins the missionary team, has been faithful to Paul for these last 20 years now and continues to know of Paul's persecution as Paul is in that mandarin dungeon in Rome. A terrible, awful place. And he's about ready to face the axemen. Timothy knew of Paul's persecutions firsthand. And he comes to know Jesus as the foundation had been laid, the seeds had been planted by his grandmother and his mother who spoke God's word into his life. Listen. Listen. If you have had parents that have spoke truth to you, given you the word of God, and I know that not all of us grew up in Christian homes, but if you have a godly home that you grew up in, do not take that for granted. You've had godly parents, grandparents, that spoke truth into your life when you were little, And you are assured of those things. God bless you. And you be thankful for that. And if you grew up in a godly home where you had parents or whoever it was that loved you enough to speak the gospel and the truth of the word of God into your life, you should be praising God every day for that. But if you now have taken that for granted... And now you're letting the world take you down and pull you away from Jesus Christ and you're having a bunch of fun with your mocking friends, yucking it up. I say this very lovingly. You will give an account to that for God. You will give an account to God for that. And when the world around you begins to fall apart, which it eventually will, And you hopefully will begin to realize that this world is a big scam. And you begin to feel defeated and depressed and hopeless and confused because this world is getting more strange and weird and mixed up than ever before. And you're empty in your heart. And the message of the Lord to you is this. Come home. Come home. And with open arms, he's ready to receive you. And we will be looking for you to receive you with open arms. Because the message of the Lord to you, if you've been away, is come home. What we need to do with the godly influences in our lives, those who have spoke truth into our lives, whether it was there from the time that you were a babe or whether it was there in your life, at some point where somebody led you to getting saved, All of us need to take these things that we have learned and been assured of, knowing who you have learned them from. We must continue in those things because the world is like a big undertow, isn't it? Trying to pull us away from the Lord and from the Word, trying to pull us down. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the word of God is able to make you wise for salvation, not just knowledgeable. And now it is up to us to influence others. And you who are young to the younger generation, what are you going to do with that which has been entrusted to you? Are you going to continue in the things that have been entrusted to you? The word of God. You see, Paul is passing the baton on to Timothy. And in a few verses, he's going to say, Timothy, my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Are you going to continue in those things? Because this is important to me. And I want to know. And we have done everything that we can, not perfectly, but we have done everything that we can to pass that baton on to you in giving you the word of God week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And what you do with it matters to me. What are you going to do to the ones that... You have influence over the next generation that comes after you, your kids. And if I have grandkids someday, and if I do have grandkids someday, if the Lord tarries or he tarries and taken me home, if I ever have where I get to have great-grandkids, what are you going to do with them? And I pray that you do what is right. You know, I've teased my kids, and I'll tell you the truth on this. If I ever make it in my upper 80s or 90s, if I have enough strength, I'll tell you what I will do. I will take the keys that were taken away from me, and I will find them, and I will come and hunt you down, and I will call you on this. (laughs) And I will find you and ask you, What are you doing? What are you doing with my grandkids, my great grandkids? but we are handing the baton on to you, and then you're gonna hand it on to the next generation. So what is it that you're gonna hand them? This is important to me and to a lot of us. I wanna know, are you gonna hand them the world? Are you gonna hand them the deception and the weirdness of the world? Parents and grandparents, please don't underestimate the importance of the role and responsibilities you have to your children at whatever age they're at. And I know that some of you, you poured into your kids and maybe they're out in the world and they're not walking with the Lord. Will you continue to pour into them? You pray for them. Don't stop praying for them. And you keep giving them the word of God. Make it a priority. And for all of us, listen, the Lord is coming soon. And we need to wake up. And we need to take care of our kids. Because we get involved in all kinds of things on the horizontal. Again, I understand that. But what is it that we are going to leave them when we are buried? These are the most critical times that we have ever faced before. And we have here the grandmother of the Bible, Lois, passed her genuine faith to her daughter, and they passed it on to this incredible young man, Timothy. And then Paul came and brought the full orb of the gospel that would come to them. I cannot imagine what it is that the next generation is going to be facing in a culture that is decaying and becoming more sick. We started a new decade, didn't we? And I think about the last decade, how things have changed so quickly, haven't they, in the last 10 years? I think how quickly they're going to continue to change what it is that our kids and our grandkids are going to be facing, what your grandkids, great-grandkids are going to be facing. So the question as we end this morning, are we committed to this? Are we committed to this? I pray that we are. As a family, as individuals, and as a church family. And I know that when the Lord takes me home, if I have ever in that situation where I have the privilege of having my family around me, my kids or whoever is there, that when I close my eyes, then I know that I pray I have the peace and the comfort to know that I'm going to move on to eternity with you, Lord, but also to know that they have a genuine faith. And I want my kids to be able to say, you know, our dad loved the Lord more than anything. Not how popular I was or how big the church was or any of those things, more than anything, that he loved the Lord and it could tell because he spent time telling us about the Lord and what the Lord meant to him and he prayed for us. And he never stopped praying for us. He never stopped loving us. That's what impacts kids and and grandkids. Because I'll tell you the truth, I've done a lot of funerals. And the thing that is left to them that they remember, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, my great grandparents loved us. And they loved the Lord. And it impacted their lives. Make this a priority. And take the heart. This is heart stuff here. This is the last words of Paul. Timothy, it's difficult. It's hard. But you must continue in the things that you have learned. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this exhortation that I pray that we would always take very seriously to help us to pass the truth of your word on the next generation, our kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, perhaps we're a teacher, maybe children's ministry, youth, whoever it might be, to speak truth into their lives, knowing that the word of God is alive, there's power in the word of God and in the gospel. So I thank you for this important reminder. Father, I want to pray for anyone who is here listening that you've never really made a commitment to Christ. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe your parents are Christians, but have you made a true commitment to Christ in your heart? I said, I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. That the Lord says to you, come, call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved, realizing you need to be forgiven. Jesus provided forgiveness on the cross. He rose again, and he's alive. Call out to him. Today is the day of salvation. And you can pray, Jesus, I come to you as I am, humbly before you, in need of forgiveness. I come as I am. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and your life speaking to my heart and I ask that you would sit upon a throne of my heart and my life as my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you. I thank you for this new beginning. And I thank you for saving me. And I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and You've been in the world, you've been away, and the invitation of the Lord is for you to come home because He loves you, and we love you too. The world is going to leave you empty, will only bring death, will deceive you and hold you captive. The Lord has an abundant life for you, a life of real purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment and peace and joy. Live for Him. The greatest pleasure is living for him. And he says, come home. And you can pray right where you are. That Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness and faithfulness to to me and your continued love. And I come to you and I ask you forgive me for being in the world for my sin, my carnality. Just not paying attention, being distracted in so many ways. you the priority of my life so Lord I thank you to walk with you to know you to enjoy you and Father if there's anyone that prayed those prayers this morning I ask that as they leave this place your heart would be their hearts would be full of joy Father I pray for all of us that we would plant the word of God into our kids and grandkids or nieces and nephews or whoever, because there's power in the word of God, power in the gospel, and for all of us that we would continue in the things that we have learned and been assured of. So I thank you for this morning. Bless everyone here as we go our way. In Jesus' name, amen.